0: It just kept, you know, every step of that journey was just opening eyes to what, what theater could be. There's always more to learn, right? So there's always more to learn, and the more you learn about others, the more you learn about yourself. It's the I mean, it's the people, it's always the people.
1: Welcome to the Theatre Art Life Podcast, and hello. We're putting the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the globe, the culture creators, and the backstage masters. My name is Anna Robb.
2: And my name is Anna Aguilera. On this episode, we'll be talking to Jack Patterson about different approaches to theatre in contemporary and multicultural stage.
1: Jack is an award-winning director, divisor, dramaturg, translator, actor, and creative producer whose practice has taken him across Canada, the United Kingdom and around the world. His work has ranged from contemporary devising, cross-cultural and multidisciplinary projects to main stage and classical theatre in contemporary form. Jack, welcome to the show. Hi. It's really lovely to have you and we've known each other as you've been a contributor for us for quite some time, but we haven't personally met, so it's really nice to put a face to the name. Tell us a little bit about what you were doing. I know you've been uh, in Vancouver for a little bit from the onset of COVID, but where were you, what were you working on prior to uh, the shutdown?
0: Prior to the shutdown, what did we have? I've just come off, I had a project in Indonesia, uh, in Bali, where we did a uh, device creation sort of fusion of contemporary device creation and Balinese traditional arts, to bring those together. That was followed by the Atlantis project in, or the in Piacenza, Italy, uh, which was a uh, based on on Plato's Atlantis or inspired by Plato's Atlantis. And we were working with device creation and a thing that Global Hive Labs has developed called Active Analysis, where we're trying to incorporate access into the the creation, the very beginning elements of a piece. Uh, and then right after that, I was on the Medusa project. I was also with Global Hive Labs in London. Uh, that was the UK remount of at, at uh, the Cockpit, uh, directed by uh, Katie Merritt and Fusion Theatre. And then right after that, I was in Dublin for for a couple meetings and just to go knock on doors and go, Hi, what do you do? And this happened. So it was it was quite literally like I left Piacenza. And I went to hang out with my partner in Munich for, for a week. And that's when the Italian border closed. And then I left Germany to London. And literally, as I was crossing the border, the computers changed to the new COVID questions. And I hadn't quite figured out how to punch them all in yet. And then our show in London lasted, we closed just before COVID started shutting things down. And I was in, by that time, I was in Dublin for the, the cancellation of St. Patty's Day. And had just made my way to Galway to go knock on doors and, and you know, taking some Irish stuff and see what do, what do you guys do here? And then <laughs> Trudeau came on the airwaves and said, everybody come home. So I did.
1: You got into, you do a lot of multicultural work. So how did you end up, I mean, where did you start and how did you end up into this wide array of eclectic projects all over the globe that's a i mean it's quite must be quite a fun lifestyle for you to be able to jump from culture to culture and project to project
0: it's it's fantastic it's, it's th- theater for me has always been about and it's a collaborative effort it's it's, it's co-creation it's, there's not one primary creator there's multiple primary creators how do you come together and then how do you have the the you know if you want to make that the greatest chance of coming into the unknown is, is to have the, the widest divide possible. So it, it was purely accidental. It wasn't intentional. It, it, in 2009, so 2000 or like 96 to, to right before 9-11, I was in New York. Uh, then I came just before 9-11, I came back to Vancouver. My visa had run out sometime before that. And then I got this opportunity to, to, at the Shaw Festival, which is the director's project. And that, I, I just got just started to get really interested in what were the differences within, just within English language, Canadian theater, because every, you know, the, like the States, there's so much space between each place that that it, it's different everywhere you go. And so the next few years, I sort of was bouncing between Canadian cities. So 2009 to 2012. And that was just sort of taking me back and forth all across Canada. And that would also bring me into contact with the Francophone Theatre, which is just beautiful and remarkable and amazing. And then the next step after that seemed to be, well, what else is out there? And that's, I went back to school. So at 39, I went to get an MFA at 15. And the whole reason for that was... I mean, there's the, the practical of, like, it's good to have that little rubber stamp thing to go, I need a teaching, you have to pay the bills. But the, the, the real reason for, for choosing that program in particular was that it, that directing program was, I, w- I was looking for a program with the most different perspectives on theater that I could find in one room. And that program, just uh, you're just working with directors from all over the world. From, from Hong Kong, from you know Eastern Europe, from across Europe, from the States, from South America, from yeah, you know, from everywhere. So it that experience was just incredibly enriching. And then within that, there was also uh, a couple of residencies: one in Moscow at gitis and one with Teddy uh, in uh, in Bali in the Bazaar. and. You know, I, I was lucky I got five grand from Canada Council that allowed me to, to go on those. I mean, it just kept, you know, every step of that journey was just opening eyes to what, what theatre could be. And so it's been an attempt to try and maintain that. So even, even now I continue. So I guess like the thing I was doing before the thing in Indonesia, before COVID happened, was, was I was studying German in, uh, innovation incubators with Plus and Plus. So it's like been a continuous to try at least once a year to get out and learn from somebody. And the idea that theater is any one thing. I mean, there's nowhere other than international theater where like, in international theater when you so quickly realize that your idea of what theater is is only your idea. And there were so many other opportunities, possibilities. and, uh, And then within that, you get to you know, eat the food, see the architecture, learn the beliefs, learn the stories, learn, you know, how do people tell stories elsewhere? Uh, is theater about telling stories? Is it about something else? Uh, like, all that, those questions that come into play, and it, it, it's just one of those things that, like, once you've done it once or twice, you just, you're like, I can't get this up. <laughs> you know, there's the word. to to go back to something that everybody else is already doing or working with in the same form uh and and then you you've also got this continuous um there's always more to learn right Mm. so there's always more to learn and the more you learn about others the more you learn about yourself
1: i loved when you wrote about your bali experience how you know innate the performance was in their life as opposed to being a performance necessarily for people. It was more of a community event and more of something that wasn't you watch me do something but just a celebration of their culture. And I, I was, I've was been thinking quite a lot about that recently because a lot of people during covid have started to do art for art's sake as opposed to doing it for money and doing it for you know a job or a career path they they feel driven to create a sense of community during covid and and share their skills and do that and and I, and i thought that you know there's cultures out there that just do have been doing that for thousands of years right so it's it's i found i found a similarity in that and i thought it was a nice you know that it was quite it felt quite pure and i i wanted to ask you did it feel like a very pure experience to you to be to be a part of that and their celebrations and their, their art?
0: yeah i mean it's magical i mean it's i'm sort of enamored with that culture the the so the story I'm not hugely keen on this comparison, but the, but it's it's you know and the the story of Adam and Eve and, and the impact that story has within Western culture, whether you know you're Christian or not, that story has had reverberations that 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 just sort of you know passed through society. Um, for the Balinese, the story that that has that same impact is the invention of shadow puppetry, wayang kulit. So it's at the very 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 core of their spiritual beliefs so to and and when you you're participating there you're participating in an art form that that the things like and Kulet, which date back two thousand years it's evolved of course over time and it's it's shifted to different needs uh, but it's still something that dates back to something that yeah i mean it, it just dates back thousands and thousands of years it's it's, it's a wonderful thing and you to be, it's, it's a privilege and, and uh, uh, to, to be able to, to be welcomed into that community and be welcomed into work with folks. And then to try and navigate the paths of how do you ensure that you're not imposing your perspectives or your wills on it. And that you're, you know, how do we find ways to, to, to combine and, and learn from each other? Uh, but yeah, it's, it's hard to get past the. Parody is a good word for it. It's it's not about you know it's not about making money, uh, it's not about audience numbers. Although of course, everybody would like to have an audience. It's a theater that that I mean, it doesn't have a box office. It doesn't have a, a set start time. You don't know how long it's going to go. So when you if you're fortunate to catch uh, a temple ceremony, you know you could be there all night. You have no idea. And you don't know when it's going to start. When you're saying backstage with everybody, like I, was, I was very lucky. I, I, I keep getting to hang out backstage, and backstage is backstage. Every, you know, backstage is exactly the same thing everywhere. And you start to see these these commonalities that backstage in the West End is identical to backstage at a temple ceremony in, in Egypt. That its purpose is not money or fame, which you know people still want, but or even audience numbers, its purpose is to connect human beings with other human beings, connect human beings with nature, connect human beings with the with uh, you know with the gods and the um, the spiritual beliefs. Uh, it you, you start to to realize that theater and the performing arts are even even if they're done in isolation, even if they're done. By themselves in isolation, they have a purpose that is beyond what we will, you know, the last sort of commonly think of its purpose. It's 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 not just entertainment; it's all these other things. Uh, And then the the use of theater in in community ceremonies. So I was able to go to a uh, uh, what was it? it? Was a tooth filing? So there was a a family that was. Fairly well off of the neighborhood, they uh, the the tooth filing ceremony is a ceremony that happens. It's 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 like a puberty ceremony. So it's a as you pass from childhood into into teen, into becoming a teenager and having more responsibilities, et cetera. The the community sort of works together in this. So so if some someone has the 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 capacity to have a ceremony, then all the kids in the neighborhood get their ceremony, whether they're the right age or not. Everybody comes over. You'll have like four or five gamelan orchestras going at once. You'll have food. You'll have all the neighbors meeting up, the, the, you know, the cousins who haven't seen each other in forever. And then and at the same time, you'll have mask work and shadow puppetry and, and spiritual chant. You know, so all these things going on at the same time. And meanwhile, way off in the back, somewhere where nobody can see them, there is a... A, uh, a puppeteer a uh, Wayang doing Wang Kulit just to, uh, to to speak to the gods. it's remarkable. And then shows can take place anywhere anywhere. traditional Balinese space is not an indoor theater venue. Anyway. it uh, is partially due to the heat, but it's also they it can be done anywhere they get set up, temples they get set up in, you know on the beach, wherever is necessary for.
2: To As you talk about your experiences in Indonesia, it makes me think a lot of my own personal experiences in Mexico. And then overlapping to what I do and what I've done in a more westernized tradition, but also I feel there's a huge difference between what we do in the US and what we do in Europe. And all this to say, I feel in all of them, you said backstage is the same. For me, there's two things that 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 resonate as you speak is the ritual and the community. And not the community as the audience or not necessarily, but the community that it forms and the ritual, this kind of need to not necessarily represent, but there's a tradition, there's, there is a ritual.
0: Yeah, the Balinese theater is still very much tied to ritual, um, but also within the community, because, you know, because everybody participates, so everybody in a community participates, everybody, because of their temple practice, uh, either dances or does mass work or plays a musical instrument or does some form of performance you've got from birth i mean so everybody is versed somehow in the creative arts and and everybody's represented because everybody's there everybody's participating there's no nobody who's denied entry because of because of that community collaboration And you've also got this wonderful relationship between the professional artists. And I've I've seen bits of this in in, uh, a colleague of mine who works in Italy and her work, but you've got these highly, highly, highly trained uh, professional artists, yet they are always coming back to community and always coming back and working with community. And that is, that is more their, their occupation than to go off and entertain people.
1: It seems like a natural segue to talk about uh, Theatre theater Horror, the another uh, part, uh, experience that you had with uh, people, working with people with disabilities um, when you're saying theatres for everyone. So tell us a little bit about that project and, um, and what you saw and experienced there.
0: Theatre Horror was very, very generous. You know, I, I, I wish I could speak to to my career as having a path. It doesn't. It's a vocation, and it, <laughs> it just, you end up in different places. Uh, and they're like, oh, well, yeah. They're like, oh, I guess we're going to go here and do this now. Um, where the opportunity appears, you know, you, you just sort of go. And I, I was invited, uh, a friend of mine called me up in Vancouver, and I think I was in Munich at the time, and uh, she was doing a workshop with a really wonderful Vancouver artist called Niall McNeil. Uh, Niall's a playwright and uh, I hope he's going to be a director soon. He's, uh, and he's also an actor. Now, Nye has, uh, so he's on the spectrum in his dancing. Uh And he was working on his adaptation of The Tempest. And I got the call because I had some interest in, you know, uh, with device creation and classical theater background, so I, I came in and and it was just a really remarkable experience with Nye, and and just sort of enjoying his his view of the world and and his, I mean, nice, a remarkable artist. Like he 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 could just bang stuff. Like, wow, there's no better way to say that than what he just did. Uh, And so I was interested in in finding more pathways specifically towards facilitating nice directorial voice. And Theatre Horror was the only organization I could find that had spent time working on providing uh, artists on the spectrum with a a path to directing. And so they opened their doors. I called them up and went, I can hang out for for a couple of days and, and spend some time with you. And uh, I mean, I'm still in Facebook contact with some of the uh, some of the ensemble. And it's I mean, again, it it sort of comes to I mean, it's it's what are you trying to do with your theatrical practice? Are you trying to facilitate voice? Are you trying to facilitate individual perspectives perspectives coming together? Are you trying to and if you're doing that, then then this work. Is it's obvious. Of course, you can. Why not? I mean, yeah, it was a, it was a really lovely, a lovely time. And I mean, again, it's just it's just learning from other people who see the world differently or through eyes that are different from my own. Well, I was just going to say that they were really lovely in sharing their um, their ethos. is is very much about uh, facilitating and sharing with other companies. And they've done remarkable work with some leading european artists and, and they shared their their exercise book that they you know it's 25 years of, of work within this field that they just not here you know and i went can i share this with other people And they went yeah of course that's why we wrote it so they come back, that that generosity
2: the idea of collaboration and being a collective or a laboratory is important to you opposed to saying, Oh, I have a theater company, but you have a collective or you have, or you're part of a laboratory, not really the traditional way.
0: Yeah. I part of that. Sort of, that sort of developed out of, I found myself sort of parachuting into these different locations where I'd never been before, where I didn't know anybody. You know, um, so I wasn't in a position to, to, you know, be getting that directing contract and I wasn't in a position to do call up my friends who I know and know who's going to be good and, and talk to the set designer who I know is going to be good and get all those, those, you know, ducks in a row to make sure I look good at the end of this. I wasn't in that position. It's not possible. So it, it, the, the work, shifted I mean I don't know if it was a shift it was more of a just an expansion of what I was already doing in my personal work but not necessarily in my freelance work due to the you know financial limitations and and you know when you're freelancing you do have to give somebody something at the end of it Um, but in my personal work we'd never with Mad Duck Theatre Collective in Vancouver which was a um just looking back on it, with today's eyes, we were like, well, oh. but our, our, we were the, we, the only organization in Vancouver that had a gender parity mandate, we were, uh, and we were trying to do, so the doors were always open, we had, a, we also had a mission to ensure that there was at least one third of every cast was new, just to keep the new ideas circulating. through, and within that, we were also, I mean, it's the beautiful thing about Shakespeare is that it allows uh, a, uh, you know, there's, there's no playwright who's going to say that's not what I wrote, right? You say you've got this wonderful room to express. And within working with the classical, we were also creating these spaces for devised uh, creation content. Uh, so when I found myself parachuting around to all these places where, like, there was absolutely no way you could control the outcome of the show. So you just you just stop, you stop like that stops being important. You just give that up. you're like, "No, let's these are the people we're working with. What are their strengths, what are their weaknesses? What can we find together? What can they bring to the table that I've never would have thought of myself? Um, you know, you have a sort of basic plan that you can pitch at the bosses, but after that, you're like, okay. you know, let's see what we come up with." And so I started just for myself, I started calling some Romeo and Juliet and Cardiff, where we just we put it in the brochure and we made it you know, a thing. We just started working with a creative ensemble instead of well, so-and-so's playing this and that. And that was partially, because I didn't know who was going to play what. So we ended up with five people playing one person, and one person playing five people, and you know, that kind of thing. And that just sort of sort of has expanded in in the practice. And then when you're doing the cross, when you take that and apply it to cross-cultural or disability arts, you're, you know, when you're working in a language you don't speak, you know, you you can't, you can't mold somebody to what you have in your head. It's impossible. So you have to find ways to inspire each other and find other ways to, to communicate. And from that, new things arise. So. That's that's where that sort of came about. And then, so with Global Hive Labs, we put with the term labs, partially because we started as a lab. So Global Hive Labs is a a independent, or it's a network of independent uh, and small companies across the world. And we're just trying to find ways to devise and create together. Uh, And we started as a lab it's funny because we started as a lab that was exploring how do we use communications technology in theater, and this was in two thousand fifteen, I think two thousand sixteen. The the term laboratory, I guess, when you when you think of like what is the the arc of theater is it um, you have a couple labs, then you have so you have catalyst, then laboratory, then development, development, and then some kind of development, rehearsal period, and production. The, the lab just also gave us, the, the, even even if our lab project was not actually, you know, it wasn't just a lab, it was going to have some form of public presentation at the end. The lab just, it just gives a, a freedom to explore and a, and a freedom to experiment and try things that, that when you call yourself theater and that, that, you know, is that theater, what is a theater? Is it a venue? Is it a, you know, is it a for-profit or, or a subsidized for-profit body, or is it, you know, theater with this wonderful, huge umbrella uh, that encompasses everything? And laboratory sort of allowed us to-
1: Gives you that freedom,
0: the, doesn't it? It yeah, allowed to us define it yourself. To go, yeah, uh, I like that, yeah. I like that.
1: Well,
0: I was just gonna say, it also, and I only just realized this just now, but it also gave us a, the capacity to be wrong. So, yeah, you know, we had a laboratory. Exactly. The experiment didn't work, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How yeah. often do you get that freedom, right? Yeah. yeah. No, that's, yeah that's, we tried it. It didn't work. What
1: what would you say is the thing that you like most about your job? What is there a part of the process or is it the whole thing, or is it working cross-culturally? Is there is there a particular zone and avenue that you find uh, your favorite?
2: Translating. What about translating?
0: Well, I mean, translating falls into the same and it's the same type of thing. I mean, translating is a... I fell into translating and that I was so taken with what I was seeing in Francophone Canadian theatre. I was like, oh, people got to know about this. Got to know about this. And we're still facing challenges that, to, in bringing that material to, to English-speaking Canada and the rest of the English-speaking world. I mean, French-Canadian theatre is, is at the forefront of international practice, um, whether it's physical theatre or circus theatre or the playwriting. And it, it it's you know it's translated into everything, uh, and then there's a struggle to get it into English, and then within Canada you, you have to go well, hang on. So we've got these amazing people, who you know seventy percent of the country don't have access to due to the legal divide. But also for me personally, it was a chance to you know I can't afford the plane ticket, I can't. You know I'm a time period where I've got a job or. Or freelance and and can't focus on my own stuff. This gave me an opportunity to to still walk down the streets of Quebec or Montreal and try the food and look at the architecture and and explore somebody else's perspective and try to find a way to share that. So it's still it's still sort of the translation gives me permission to 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 travel when I can't um, and to interact. With people when i can't do it uh physically
2: what what is what you like the most of what
0: you do it's the I mean, it's the people it's always the people it can be scary out there sometimes when you're when you're going to new places and trying new things it'd be terrifying but the best thing is the people you the last time i was in indonesia i, I was invited to uh, to to watch a, a Gamelon orchestra rehearse, and it was this really wonderful experience of um, oh, it was fantastic. Wow. So I went over to to uh, the uh, the company leaders' house, and and there was the the gamelan orchestra playing around. And there's a new composition, and and the Balinese don't. Uh, in their, in their exchange, whether, I don't know if the, if the composer had this written down somewhere else, but in his uh, work with the orchestra and them learning the piece, there was no sheet music. There was no anything like that you would expect to see walking, or in my experience, at any rate, walking and, and working with, with musicians. So to watch this back and forth of how they figured things out and even get up and even gamelan on the you know on the on backwards in reverse on, on the gamelans in front of someone or he would uh, or he would shout something out to someone and someone would shout back and then there'd be a playing back and forth and it would turn into something else that in itself was magical it would, i could i couldn't imagine that happening in my life like how did that moment happen how did I, I had a moment in Moscow where I was standing in Red Square, it was our last day of the, the exchange between these 15 and pieces, and I'm standing in Red Square, and it's snowing, and I'm drinking a hot chocolate from McDonald's, and in front of Lenin's tomb, and I, I, I never would have imagined this happening, ever, this, this is not something I ever saw happening in my life, yet here it is happening, and but even with those two magical, wonderful moments, the, I'm still in touch with those people—the people who managed to make that happen. There's still, you know, and, and what I learned from those people like after the the orchestra rehearsal, um, the the rehearsal. I think this is very civilized. They, they rehearse, you know, when they can around, you know, around life, and uh, uh, a bit like a collective or a call might. And then, uh, uh, and, and then they have dinner and that's part of the, the payment is dinner, right? Like, well, that makes perfect sense. So you sit down you have community there. And, and, and then so I sat down and had dinner with them and I up uh, speaking with, um, the, the uh, I've just forgotten this name off the top of my head, but, but this lovely conversation with the, uh, the lead artist. And then the next thing, you know, I'm, on the back of his son's motorbike sipping off to go see the ceremonial thing. And, and terrified out of my mind, it's a 40 year old guy on the back of a motorcycle screaming through a the, 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 um, but I, I can't forget that generosity or the other conversations I've had with all the other people I've met. And it, it's, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. It, it's, it's the people. It's, it's always the people.
1: And when you're, you know, because you've been in so many different places and so many different cultural experiences, is there something that you would either change or shift about the industry uh, that you'd like to see move forward, um, given your experience?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I I do think that most people in theatre in English language speaking and Western theatre are doing the very best. Well, most people in theatre. Everywhere or just doing the very best with what they have. Uh, they're doing the best they can. What I would love to, within our industry, which is whether it's in Canada or the UK or the states, it is sort of it, it. It is financially driven. We're 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 stuck within models that are that are you know within Canadian English language theater was modeled after the the British model uh both the funding and how we were doing it and that that model was a for-profit subsidized model um and that we sort of end up having a lot of people working with the same people over and over again and that to me is, is sort of the like, oh, i just i'd love to see us working with more and more people who are different So it's not the same that each project you, you Take on a whole new set of people. It doesn't mean the last people weren't talented or skilled or wonderful or anything, but that this next group of people is just a new group of people so that something new will come out of it, something specific to this group of people at this space, this time. And and then then whatever it is will be new and it will facilitate the voice. And I guess that's the other thing is, is the voice of the individual artist allowing. You know, acting, it's so easy for us to, defi- to define or see acting as, as a cog in a wheel, or or whether that's in the storytelling wheel, or the administrative wheel, or the production wheel. Um, and we tend to define acting as, given circumstances of naturalism, but that's not all acting is, or all acting has to be. Acting can be expressionistic. Acting can be so many things. And if we facilitate the individual artists and try and lift the voices of the individual artists, I think we just get a far more interesting exploration uh, and, and, and journey on uh, audience. Training. But it's, it's unfortunately, it's like, what do you do within a two week or a three week rehearsal period? How do you get a two hour show up in that time while still facilitating voice?
1: There's your challenge as a director. huh?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well and then it's also it's also how do you, you know, how do you increase the 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 uh diversity within that group of people that you're working with? How do you like the I mean it's the season prior to this? Um I was you know, I ended up working with three artists with, with Down syndrome on three different projects. That wasn't intentional, it just happened. Um and it, it uh but what was wonderful was that the in in all three of these circumstances it there was it wasn't this is still the arts. It's like this is everybody' arts. So it's facilitated it. everybody's voices equally. But it is is that uh, back to community. Where does theater fit within society, and what is its purpose, and how does it how does it engage with society and with community in an active fashion, as opposed to being a comment on it or a reflection on something that happened. Uh, in the past, how do we, and there's the the professional and the community barrier, how do we find a way for professionals and the community to be in conversation, as opposed to this divide between us and them, between audiences.
2: Do you want to share your website or your project's website so they can, the audience can look at them?
0: Uh, sure. Um, yeah, we're currently. Uh, so, my personal website is jackpattersontheater.com. Uh, the Global Hive Labs is globalhivelab.org. There's, if anybody's looking for information or support on uh, access, there's a series of links that Global Hive Labs has put together uh, that can help folks in that. Uh, and uh Boosh Theater Collective is Booshwack, B-O-U-C-H-E WAC W-H-A-C-K-E-D dot com. Sorry, dyslexic kid, so i can I spell it right? Um and with Bush, uh, Um with uh Boosh, we're currently uh working on a series of we're doing a series of translation development, and we're uh, trying to engage on each project, we're engaging as many artists as we can across. I mean, we had to do it within Canada, unfortunately, due to, due to our funding. But the uh, we're engaging, uh, each workshop is engaging a minimum of three cities. So the last one was, we were hosted by a virtual stage in Victoria. We had artists in Vancouver and Montreal. So it was also across the liberal divide. Uh, the previous one was Vancouver, Calgary, Toronto, Montreal, um, and again across the lingu- linguistic divide, so being a bridge between
1: distance and language. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jack, for spending some time with us this morning. We really appreciate it—an insight into uh, your world and your work. And uh, I wish you the best for uh, post-COVID to get back out there and, and across the globe, uh, continuing to do what you do.
0: Thank you very much. And well, same same to you guys. It's been
2: been really lovely. We would love to hear from you, our listeners, on who you would like us to feature on this podcast or what topics fascinate you. There is a link in our podcast description where you can send us your requests and guest nominations. Theatre Art Life provides regular monthly webinars and podcast episodes for free. If you have the means, donations can be made via a link in the podcast notes. We would be thankful for any support you can give us. You can learn more about Theatre Art Live, the global media site for entertainment, at www.theatreartlive.com, and you can follow us on all social media platforms. We want to thank David Sire for composing the music for our podcast. We are your hosts, Anna and Anna, and this is the Theatre Art Live podcast.